Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode four of Large Mouth. Um, I'm your host, Eli Hawkins, here with my buddy, Chase Scott. What's going on? Uh, not much, man. I'm doing good. Uh, we actually got our teacher here, radio TV teacher, Mr. Corley, uh, special guest. Yeah, it's it's good to be on. I've been enjoying the podcast. Uh, I think it all started back uh, last summer with us three, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Denny's trip and then the, the fishing afterwards. Yeah, for those that don't know, Chase was actually my TA last year, and so he would always talk about fishing, and he's like, my buddy Eli, my buddy Eli this, my buddy Eli that, we've got to, we've got to, we go fishing all the time, us two, Brant Coons, Quinn Warwick, always <laughs> fishing, and so then he's like, hey, once once I graduate this summer, you, you got to come fishing with us, like, yeah, i got nothing but free time over the summer, might as, might as well do something, so that's when it all started. I was not prepared for the Denny's at 5 in the morning, that was probably the <laughs> roughest part. Uh, I don't think I was either. That's the first time I ever uh, drank an energy drink. <laughs> What'd you all and come I in and had like two bangs or something? Yeah, like, we pulled up with two bangs. And I just was, I couldn't stop. You were like shaking. Yeah. <laughs> it almost felt like I was under the influence of something. But I think, just, you know, I'm older than you guys, obviously, but I think the three of us brought the average age down in Denny's at that time in the morning quite considerably. <laughs> <early>. <laughs> Definitely. There was a lot of old people there yeah. getting their early breakfast. But that was a that was a pretty rainy day oh yeah but uh the reason i wanted to come on and kind of join you all for this is you know i've been listening and you all talk about fishing and a lot of the stuff kind of over my head and my whole thing was when i wanted to go out i was like you know i'm not really i've I've fished a little bit when i was younger but not really an expert fisherman and so i kind of thought it'd be cool to do an episode with you guys about if i'm a beginner trying to just you know just really want to get into fishing you all kind of touch on a little bit but if i'm really just starting off don't have anything how do i start off getting into fishing so first of all, the first question I have for you guys, so I'm kind of stealing the hosting duties here from Eli <laughs> a little bit, is first thing you got to have is a rod and a reel, right? You got to be able to, to unless you're going to pull like Chase from the last episode and dive out of a boat and try to <laughs> <laughs> to wrestle with one of them, you know. How do I go about deciding on what's a good rod and a reel for a beginner? Because, you know, when you're a little kid, you usually get the little, what's it, the, the, the click reel, right? The, the, the push button. Push, the push button, button yeah. reel, right? But that's like what you get when you're, you know, it's a little short eight pole. Or nine, yeah, yeah, it's eight or nine. It's made of, you know, plastic, and it's going to break because you got it at Target or something. <laughs> yeah. We we call it a, the Barbie rods. Barbie the rods. Barbie yeah. rods. It's actually, a, it's actually a challenge that a lot of the YouTubers that we watch, um, they did a Barbie rod fishing challenge, and they uh, they had to change the line out because of how bad it was. Oh, so that's the, the line, too. So the I, lines. That's not even something rod. I had on there, but let's start with let's start with rod and reel. So if I'm, you know, wanting to take it serious, not, you know, just a Barbie reel as you, or a rod and reel, as you say, how do I go about deciding what I want? I would say your first thing to think about would be like the price, because if you're gonna get into something new, you don't know if you're gonna like it. What if you don't like it? You don't want to sp- spend a bunch. Of, you don't. You don't want to buy a three hundred dollar rod if you're never gonna use it. So, I would try to. You can get a decent setup. You just save about under hundred dollars. Yeah, right around there. Yeah, I would say too. You would. You got to know that it's fishing something you want to do would take up. You know what I mean? That sounds like so, a, probably a good a good safe bet. So too. if you go out and spend you know you you do have the choice to spend you know three hundred dollars on a rod but if you're never going to use it what's the point to 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 you know buy it so if i was a beginner just starting i would just go to walmart and uh pick something out i 70, would say 80 bucks uh definitely open face rod not a bait caster oh yeah because it takes tons of practice so the, the spool and a bait caster is open when you click the click the button and uh, the, the spool's open it's free to move you have to adjust when you're uh, casting how fast that spool is moving with your thumb. So if you don't do that, it's going to tangle up and backlash on you. And uh, that's just 
very frustrating when you're beginning. But so the open face ride won't do that. You just it's flipping the little bale, that's what you call it, and you just throw it out there. And, and I believe that's, that's what I used way. on that yes. that trip when we were Denny's. Okay. Yeah. So bouncing off that, you said, you know, if you don't like that that rod, then you're going to be out the three hundred dollars. How do you know? How did you all find out? This is this is a fishing pole I like. Uh, it started with me. It started. Uh, I bought the cheapest bait caster at Walmart that I could find, and it was just junk. Eli, do you remember that, Eli? What what brand was it? It was a Shakespeare. Shakespeare, yeah. Just terrible. Probably total like fifty five dollars, maybe Four, uh, probably forty bucks, <laughs> and um, just very poorly made, all like cheap plastic stuff. The bearings in there, they're rough. Yeah, but I it did teach me. Best thing it did was teach me how to you know use the you know the basic fundamentals of, of a baitcaster, and then uh, after I kind of graduated from that, I got a better but still cheap ish setup, and then uh, once I mastered that. I moved on to the more expensive stuff, so it's just kind of like working your way up. It's almost like golf clubs in a way, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. You start off with a cheap set when you're first in high school, and then you're like, you know, I'm playing enough that maybe I should go up a little bit. Maybe your dad or your uncle or someone gives you a set of nicer clubs that are hand-me-downs, and then finally you're like, you know, I, you're my age. You're like, I can afford a nice set of clubs. I might actually you know, go out and be <laughs> real about this. But with, with the, the rods, too, what it sounds like you're talking about is, how well you're able to cast, right? Is a lot of in the casting as well? How how easy it is without running to snags? Yes. Um, well, <clears throat> the more expensive you go, depending on what, what brand, is like higher quality bearings, which means that when you put better bearings in the reel, it, it allows the, the spool to move faster, therefore you can cast further. But you have to control it. So you have to know the, the basic fundamentals, the basic idea of how it works. You need to control those fast-moving bearings or it's going to tangle on you even worse. And then, like, on the cheap ones, there's no, like, magnetic drag system. There's no brake system. So <clears throat> you you don't be, get to customize it to your style. Me, like, I like to, when I cast, I throw it hard. So I want my brakes to be kind of tightened down so I don't backlash every time. And then it gives you that option to do that, but not on the cheap ones. So. I do remember that when we were out there um, at the at one of the fishing holes. I was over here watching Chase across the, or across the way, and he's, like, over here, like, You'd think he's like whipping a horse or something, just like <laughs> slinging that thing. You could hear from across. He's the like, pond. he's like, right, at, right across. I'm like, and man, I'm like, he's getting that thing out to the middle pond. I'm like trying to keep it out of the weeds here in front of me. <laughs> so yeah, you were slinging it over there. Now the second question I have is okay, uh, and, and I didn't actually have this one on here. So the rod and the reel. You mentioned the line though. So talk about the different kind of line that you can put, uh, you know, with your pole and 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 how that makes a difference. Okay, so I would. There's three three basic uh, types of line. You got monofilament fluorocarbon and braid mono is like a stretchier stretchier type of line and honestly that's what i would use uh, in the beginning it's it's easiest to manage that's what i use most of the time but it, it really all just differs on what type of fishing you're doing if, that is it, true. if you're uh fishing a pond with a lot of weeds a lot of heavy cover you're fishing around a lot of trees stumps you obviously don't want to break your your lure off so you're going to want to throw braid or heavy uh heavy pound test mono yeah the, the braid is much stronger uh, you know, since it's, it's braided, it has multiple wires braided together, and that that makes it stronger. But it also um, the fish can see it easier. So if you're right. fishing a very clear pond, finesse like in the cold, you don't want braid because the bass will see that they're more finicky in the cold. So it depends on the conditions and also what fish you're going for. Like bluegill, there's no reason to throw braid for bluegill. They they don't they don't fight hard enough, and they are more finicky and they'll they'll see that braid. They're smaller. So you're gonna want like monofilament or fluorocarbon, I would say. So what's it sounds like uh, monofilament, like you said, stretchy, braided, a little bit stronger, 
Where's that fluorocarbon? Is that just kind of a nice medium? Or how's that? What's the difference with that one? Uh, fluorocarbon floats on okay. the water. It doesn't sink. So if you're using a uh, like a a crankbait or something, you're not you're not going to get the the maximum depth capacity out of that crankbait if you're using fluorocarbon because the lines constantly dragging up on it. Dragging up on it. So the, with fluorocarbon, it depends on what what lure you're using, essentially. So I'm I'm gonna skip down here then because I come to the next question. Now I'm starting to put together my tackle box. What are the essentials I need? Now the one I'm gonna go ahead and put the first thing I'm putting in because it, it angered me when Eli didn't have it is a scale because I want to know how much my fish weighs when I when I catch it. I was excited that we were sitting there, you know, PB obviously and I hadn't been in forever. I wasn't keeping track of PB before that, and I'm like holding the same. You're like you guys are like, oh my god, that thing's massive. I'm like Eli, get your scale. And you're like. I don't have it. <laughs> yep, I left it in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing I'm putting in my tackle box. But yeah. what else would you all suggest that I need to have with me? Uh, just like for bass, are we talking bass fishing or just fishing in general? Fishing in general, because <coughs> we're going to get down to that in a second as well. Um, obviously, the essentials, uh, hooks, weights, maybe a bobber, depending on what, what kind of fishing you're doing. But uh, bass fishing, Sankos are an essential, would you say? I would say, sank, yeah, uh, the Sankos are an, uh, a more beginner word, a, a rubber worm, the you know, the soft plastics. Um, that's like a very efficient way to catch fish. It's very easy. Uh, the, the bait a lot of times does the work for you when you're letting it sit there. And uh, uh, worm hooks, so it's the ones, they're, they're straight at the top, and then they curve, and then they come straight again, and that's what uh, makes the bait sit straight. And if you just had a circle hook, it's not gonna. It's not gonna sit right properly on the hook, so you're definitely gonna need warm hooks. What else? Uh, bullet weights definitely for Texas rigs. They slide up and down, allow the bait to sink to the bottom, and that also depends on where you're fishing, the conditions. So, if you have a super weedy pond, a lot of times you don't want to wait, so you'll you'll fish it weightless. But if you got rocks and stuff, you want to get down deep, then you you throw a weight on there. So the weights allow are allowing for you to kind of decide the depth of how where that bait's going to go essentially. Yeah, and the heavier the weight, the faster it's going to sink in the in the water column. Awesome. So it's a, and then a pair of pliers probably stuff like yes. that. Um so not doesn't take too much to put necessarily a, a basic tackle box together if you're just getting started it sounds like. Mm-mm. I would say soft plastics, hooks, weights. That's the basics. When we first started that's basically what we had in our tackle box mm-hmm. was hooks, weights, sankos, bobbers. And a little carry on your traditional, you know, carry by your side tackle box, and then we graduated to the backpacks with multiple in there. And Pretty soon you're gonna need a suitcase or something. Pretty soon, yeah, that's kind of what I need. I don't have room in my room in my backpack anymore. I want to see you wearing one of those hats. It's got all the, you know, the hooks <laughs> on the side, <laughs> on the side, right around there. But then I w- that got me thinking too about your all's last episode. You kind of talked about using lures versus live bait. And when I was growing up, I mean, granted, we were fishing for for bluegill, not really, you know, doing any bass fishing. My dad was more of like, we're going to cut it up and we're going to eat it later, you know, not necessarily sport fishing, but it was always go to the bait shop and we're going to get crickets, worms, minnows, or, you know, the big three that we would use. So what's the difference in terms of, and I I think you all kind of touched on it last episode about, it's more about the sport of of fishing, that it takes a little bit more skill, but why not just go ahead and use the, the live bait? Exactly. That's the the traditional side of fishing has always been looked at live bait. But if you do look at the real, you know, the professionals in the sport, you know, the MLF fishermen that they're not allowed to use live bait because I wouldn't call it cheating, but, you know. It makes it too easy. Yeah. And when you're using artificial lures, um, you have to find the fish with them. 
as to if you just throw a, a piece of live bait out there, any fish is going to come get it. You know what I mean? So, in my opinion, sometimes I think live live bait fishing a lot more boring because sure. and and, and sure. you don't get as many bites because, like Chase said, the, the fish come to you when you're live bait fishing because it's just sitting there with an uh, uh, artificial lure. You're going to the fish. You can change up. You can do a different color. When you have live bait, you're just stuck to one thing. So sometimes you'll catch more fish with artificial. A lot of the times, actually, you'll catch more fish. Would you say, too, that with the artificial, you can kind of be a little bit more in, in the, the artificial lure that you're selecting, you're kind of choosing what fish you want to go out at, whereas maybe any other fish would eat a cricket, right? You're not necessarily right. going to be a selective? Definitely. You can you, – different baits target different species for sure. A bigger, bigger bait catches bigger fish. Um, and if you're using a, a worm, you can catch a bluegill or you can catch a five-pound bass, like – but back to the topic of last episode, you know, fish don't follow rules. So uh, we've been using bass lures before and caught catfish and bluegills, bluegill, yeah. all kind of different fish that we had no clue. That's the best part, really. You really never know what you're going to catch or the size of it until you do hook it. So, so then too, I guess that comes into you all. I know are big bass fishermen, right? You know, if you're wa- or if you're listening to this, you're probably looking maybe at your Spotify. You see, there's a, a, a largemouth bass there on on the, the cover art for this podcast. But again, when I was growing up, it was always bluegill. So how do you, how do people decide what? Because there's a lot of people I know that are big into, you know, fishing for catfish. Or my dad, when we would go fishing, he's always like, he'd go out on a night trip and they'd put the light out and they'd do some nighttime crappie fishing because crappie, are, when you get that light out there at nighttime, they'll be biting. So how do you decide? And what are you know, have you all maybe even str- uh, got straight outside of of bass fishing? Um, it's all personal preference, really. I mean, a lot of people like to, like you said, crappie fishermen. You mentioned your dad like to like to eat them. Crappies are good, like really good. So a lot of guys go out there with the main goal to just catch and eat fish. But I think YouTube really did it for us. I was gonna say that. That's exactly what I was gonna say. YouTube. Uh, we watched a lot of bass fishermen on YouTube coming out of high school, and then they got famous on YouTube, and we kind of looked at them as role models, and that's what we wanted to be. So we kind of just followed and copied their every step. And uh, that's kind of what got us into yeah. it. Like, because bass fishing is what was, what it still is the most popular. Uh, I would I would definitely say in, in yeah. fishing it's it's the most popular. So when we looked up videos on YouTube, I, that's what's what influence our how we fish. What we, how we know all this stuff is from YouTube alone. And that that was what was popular at the time was bass fishing. So would you then suggest that even for a beginner, if you know if you're wanting to go for more of the sporting side, go towards bass fishing, and if you're wanting to go more towards, I want to. You know, skin. You know, if you want to eat it, if you want to yeah. eat it, go ahead and go towards crappie and bluegill. Yeah, because bass are game fish; they don't taste very good at all. No, they're they don't taste good. No, tell you what, I I will say too, catfish. I had not had catfish. I used to work at a, a kingfish. You know, that's Chase, the <coughs> restaurant down in Louisville, and we had catfish. Oh, that was great catfish. But there is times that I've caught catfish and they fry it up, and it's like, whew, this tastes like the water it came from. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. catfish can be hit or miss too on how it tastes as well. Um, and then too, I was even gonna say, it also I guess it all depends on your geography too of where you're where you live because if you're, you know, living out west, you might want to go and do some, you know, uh, I don't know how many people are salmon fishing, but you know, or even if you're down on the coast, you're not you know necessarily fishing much for for bass if you're coastal living. So I guess it all depends on you know you say the yeah where you live too, where you live and what's available out there. And Chase, you said that you have or have not. Have you have you both been deep sea fishing? We both have. Yeah, we both have. What were you all fishing for there? Because I know that we when we went, it was a lot of red snapper. That's that, exactly. That's yeah. the main thing we were targeting. Yeah, it was red, red snapper. fish, red snapper. Yeah, red snapper. We uh, some grouper. Grouper was uh, not necessarily that we were targeting, but we'd get catch a couple groupers. 
Um, I've caught a, I've caught a, my highlight is catching a flounder before, and that was pretty cool because, you know, the eyes are both on the same side. Yeah. And it swims kind of. I've always wanted to catch one of those. Sideways, so. Um, next I, I had, and this is one that I think a lot of fishermen, uh, and I know you all are kind of, not, you've been a little open, open on the podcast about it, but a lot of fishermen like to keep their cards close to the vest in terms of where they're going to be fishing at. And I know that's because a lot of people don't want to give away their fishing holes, but if I'm getting started, let's say I don't have a buddy to take me fishing, how do I decide? And you all, I know you all talk about knocking on doors, but what if I don't want to knock on door? What's the best way just to go ahead and get that first experience? Uh, Google Maps, uh, public places on Google Maps, uh, not in privately owned places. Uh, a lot of times, public places are super overfished and overpopulated, like um, Proctor Park right down the road. A lot of people go there, and it's just extremely overfished. And we fished it before, and we could never. I mean, I've caught fish out of there before, but it's just super hard compared to some somewhere where it doesn't get a lot of pressure. So what I would do, I would just get on Google Maps and uh, find a, a a park or anything. I would say it like just residential neighborhoods. Yeah. A lot of the times, if they have a sign, this is no fishing. Clearly, you're not allowed to be there. But a lot of times they don't have signs, and most people they don't care. And, and uh, you can find somebody you know in the neighborhood and, uh, you know, get permission from them. Because a lot of times the signs will say for residents only fishing. And that's one way you can do it. And it'll be a lot less overfished and you'll you'll have a better chance of catching more fish. Well, I think, too, because you all, you all mentioned that with fishing, a lot of it, if you're just fishing for the sport, right, and you're putting it and you're respecting the game, right, and you're, and you're throwing back – there's no real harm in fishing, right, in that, that pond because you're not depleting the stock, right? It's You're not right. taking it out. You're not killing it. You're not going to be eating it. It's If you're throwing it back, then there really shouldn't be a problem. But I think that some people maybe can be a little skeptical. If, even if you say that, they're like, mm, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of times they think fishing, oh, we're going to take the fish out. Like, I agree. Um, most people, they're, they're skeptical right off the bat. So... I mean, you got to find, get permission definitely from a, a buddy, somebody that you can, that you know that lives on, on water, that would definitely help. I won't mention the, the, the fishing hole that we went to, the one that I caught the my PB, but do, do we know who owns that? I, I do know who owns that. Um, my grandpa's friend who actually showed him uh, some of the videos, and he said, yeah, keep going. He actually said that I could take a weed eater down there and, or, and, and make me so you what, know. what turned what was supposed to be used fishing is now you doing yard work for your grandpa's friend yeah he's like, <laughs> like yeah i don't care as long as he can come and mow the grass on <laughs> tuesday go down there and weed eat on and then he's like we gotta bring in some hay bales on you know on thursday so <laughs> i i think that's a, one of the best part about being eli's buddy just his grandpa has so many ties to these farm ponds yeah definitely because he is a farmer himself he actually got a shirt for christmas it's a it says farm uber <laughs> so he takes all the farmers like he, he, hey, can you, they call him, hey, can you come pick me up from this field, take me home, you know? And he, he does that. It's pretty funny. No, that is that is interesting, too, because, I mean, the, the area that we live in is it can be very, like, you can be in the suburb part of Johnson County or you can be in the rural part, you know. You take, like, a, you know, you go out to that Cinder Grove area. There's not – it's a lot more neighborhoods, right? Yeah. You go out to the, you know, the eastern side of the county, out towards Clark and all that. You've got a lot more open areas, like you said, the farmland, and you get a lot of those farm ponds. I know that when I was – growing up doing the bluegill fishing is my aunt my or it was actually my great grandma's pond that she you know left the, the the land to my great aunt martha um that was the spot that we always go and i will say that in the summertime 
I'll, I'll share a couple of my fishing mm-hmm. memories because I know that you all share a couple of yours. I'll never forget the one that we're down there fishing, and my mom was with us. And, you know, she's, I wouldn't say the most coordinated person in the world, which is fine. And all of a sudden, we hear like this, oh, and we look around, and there she's got a fishing hook like through her finger. Oh. And we're like trying to take it out. Now, here's the thing I've, I've learned is never try to take it back out. Push it through. Well, push it through, clip it, and then yep. pull it back out. Because of that barb. That barb, which I guess, you know, we weren't just, we weren't thinking. So it's like, all right, well, you're going to go up and stay with your green aunt Martha. We're taking mom to the emergency room. So <laughs> <laughs> fishing trip cut short. Dang. Poor mom on another fishing trip. We My dad used to have a little uh, boat in the lake. I'm surprised they didn't allow outboard motors because it was a decent size, like Deem Lake down in, in uh, it's, I guess, the Borden area, Sellersburg, because um, they're a lot smaller, like stuff, seen outboard motors going on. But didn't matter because our outboard didn't work. He had a little trolling motor on the on the front, and mom's getting off the boat at the end of the day. We're camping as well, and mom always jokes, we didn't realize, I didn't realize the boat didn't have brakes, and the boat started to drift out from under. Tore ACL getting off the boat. Oh, my goodness. My. Yeah, mom's not, does, <laughs> mom doesn't fish anymore. <laughs> I bet he didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't either. If you didn't oh gather. And then the last one actually happened most recently was last summer. I went down to my buddy's lake house, and uh, we brought my dog Wrigley down, and they have actually uh, another mini doodle, so they were both running around. And I was like, you know, this is a great lot of, lot of land and all that, and there's no one really down there. And they didn't, it wasn't really a fishing trip. It was just, like, boating and, like, tubing and skiing. They like to do all the water sports. And then I was just up playing cards with my buddy, and I hear my other buddy down in the dock yell, Corley, you got to get down here. Wrigley. I'm like, Andrew, she's fine. Like, I don't care if she runs around. He's like, no, she's got a fish hook in her mouth. And I was like, Aww. immediately your heart drops. You're like, oh, my God. And we're in green, green field. Yeah, green field in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's not an animal hospital around anywhere. And that's where the barb was. It was actually in her lip. So it was like it got, if it went through her tongue or anything, I'd been like screwed. It was just in her lip. My buddy, Stanger, he's like, just got to push it through, man. Push it through. And she <laughs> pushed it through, clipped it, and she ran off and she was fine. She's like happy as a clam. I was like, oh, my God. Never again. So Andrew saved you a lot of money on uh, hospital bills, yeah, too. Yeah, really. that would have been pricey. Yeah. Which it all, and for what he did was just like literally, push pliers it was a five second yep. and then it's like they had been like anesthesia yeah yeah <laughs> you know give you shots. more drugs yeah and <laughs> like and she was fine the rest of that and they're like we'll just look for an infection and it was fine but yeah so those are those are my ba- those are the some of the scary moments where i'm like you know i just have had so many traumatic memories with with fishing that it's like sometimes it's hard to get back out there but i'll, I'll leave you this is the last question i've gotten and if you'll you know want to talk about some other stuff off the top of the head if you have some other stuff but um you all have talked about uh you know, pre-spawn, um, then spawn, and post-spawn. My question for you is morning, during the day, and evening fishing. How do those different times of the day maybe make a difference? Because I don't know what the sleep schedule of the average fish is. Um, I mean, back to different from what, what species you want to target. Um, if you want to catch catfish, catfish uh, target are more known to target at nighttime. So we go catfishing sometimes, and we always go at night. Like? midnight at least midnight past midnight is when they say they start biting so after 12 o'clock but for bass fishing uh morning and late evening uh bass like to feed when it's like if you're if you're in the dog days of summer and say it's you know 90 degrees midday the bass ain't gonna bite compared to when it's 70 at six o'clock in the morning or 70 at you know eight o'clock at night so 
Definitely. And then on the other side of things, wintertime bass fishing, you're going to want to go in the middle of the day, I would say, because that's when yeah. the water's the highest. Mm. Um, and that's when the fish are going to be more active. The little amount they act, the little amount that they are active in the wintertime, that's when your best chance is. And then in the spring and fall, definitely just still morning or evening. Um, just, you, do you know why exactly morning or evening? I just think because the water the tip goes down at the, the the top of the water column, so they come up to feed. Yeah, that's. So if you were gonna fish during the day, would it be? I'm guessing now. I'm trying to just do a little extrapolate that you'd go maybe to like a shaded area, find some of that like those you know back coves or anything. Yes. If you're at a larger lake, something like that. Yeah. If you if you're fishing midday, they're gonna be undercover under docks, trees, bushes, lily pads, and, and and whatever cover you can find. That's that's your best target. And then in the morning and evening, a lot of times they'll hit top water. Um, cause the, uh, the sky is a little, it's a different color. It's a little darker than they'll see the top water a lot better. And that's when uh, a lot of the animals are the, the, the frogs, the bait fish, everything's all moving then as well. So then that's when they'll feed. Hmm. I'll tell you what, there's a, there's, I, I will say in the first three episodes I've listened to you guys, there's a, there's a lot more science than that goes into that. I think a lot of people realize and, um, and I think you all mentioned a lot more money than people realize there was into fishing. That's what we kind of, one of our main things to get out there is, like we said, the cliche topic of fishing, just worm, bobber, hook. And there is a science too behind it. And there's a reason it is a sport and people do compete to win big prizes for it because there's a lot of preparation and science and, and knowledge that does go behind it. And a lot of people don't know that. And I it, will say, oh, go ahead, Eli. Uh, it j- yeah, it, it just, it takes a lot more skill than most people think. Like some of this stuff, I'm trying to like, I just know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Because yeah. something that's just in the back of my head because I've done it for years now. I just know, uh, hey, fish are going to be biting under the cover um, because it's hot out or the the sun's starting to set. we got to throw top water. Like, it's just nothing I think about anymore. It's just, it's like, I understand. I, I, yeah. And I'd say the last thing I'll add here is that if, as from a person that's now fished once, maybe in the last, oh, gosh, eight, ten years now, and that was just this past summer, is if you're wanting to get into fishing, I would say that old fish bait, you know, the the bait and the bobber. Find out if you actually just like being out next to the water first. There's not no harm in just going out there and doing a little fishing for bluegill right. because it's not necessarily do you like the sport. It's like mm-hmm. do you just enjoy being out there by yourself or maybe with some buddies, just enjoying that activity in general before you start getting into the sporting side. But if you want to get, try the sporting side, do what I did. Have some guys take you out that know what they're doing that can kind of show you the ropes. Say, hey, this is where we're gonna what we're gonna do next. This is why we're doing this. You know. It was, you know, it was raining and cold that day, and you were explaining, oh, they're not biting because it's raining cold. If you go out and you're thinking, I should be able to catch fish whenever, you're, you know, and you don't understand it, then it's, it becomes more. Once you understand more, it becomes not necessarily easier, but you, that that science starts to make sense to you a little bit more. So, I think that was what was helpful for me was having you guys there to kind of explain. And I didn't, we didn't get into casting issues that I had at the very beginning. You're like, no, you gotta, you're releasing too soon, and it's flying way high in the air and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I but. mean, back to the science thing again. The, the bear mech, bear mech, oh god, <laughs> you can edit that out, right? <laughs> How do I say that word? Barometric. Barometric pressure. The barometric pressure was high that day that we went out. When it rains, the barometric pressure is high. Um, you know, I don't really know. I just watch a lot of YouTube videos on it. But fish don't like to bite when it's high. So, like, if if it's raining out, take this away from me. You're, if, if it's raining outside, the you know the pressure changes, and just like a cold front comes in or a warm, a cold front a lot of times will shut the fish off because the pressure rises, and then a, whereas a warm front does the opposite, they'll bite more because the pressure 
drops. It's kind of like you know when your dad says, "Oh, we got a bum knee. I can tell there's a storm coming in because the pressure." Yeah, yes. front's yeah, moving. Exactly. It's the same idea. Hmm. Well, guys, I want to say thank you so much for uh, for filling me in and all beginning fishermen on on what it kind of takes to get yourself going. Uh, it's been a pleasure being on. Same. Uh, yeah. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. See you next time. <laughs>